Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. On the show today, we've got Denora Getachu. She is the chief executive officer of DoSomething.org, a 28-year-old nonprofit fueling young people to change the world. Denora is a native New Yorker, mother of three, including a son she had as a teenager, which we talk a little bit about, and a passionate advocate for accessible, equitable, inclusive, and representative democracy. So on the show, we talk quite a bit about DoSomething.org and how her early experiences led to her work in advocacy, equity, and inclusion. We talk about young people, what they care about, and we start to address the holy grail of marketing, which is how do you actually get people to do something? So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Denora Getachu. Nora, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's so great to be here with you. Yeah, it's unusual to start off this way, but I hear you got an early start at Parenthood and also at simultaneously had a dramatic event. Can you can you share your story with listeners? I appreciate the opportunity to be with you and your listeners today. And, and what a first question to start with. So like I mentioned, I'm Denora Gattaccio. I'm the CEO of DoSomething.org and uh, excited to be on the show today just to share more about myself and, and the work that Do Something does to fuel young people to change the world. To your question, I uh, kind of core to my story is was me being a teenage mother, and to the question you asked about 
the kind of abrupt start to that, you know, childbirth. When I was a pregnant teen living in the Bronx, uh, actually was hit by a car. Hit and run actually is what caused me to go into premature labor with my son, DeAndre, who's now a 25, almost 26-year-old adult. And really that for me was that founding moment, as, as ironic as it might sound, or even as odd as it might sound, that was the founding moment for me of like solidifying my interest in civic engagement and why I care so much and so passionately about the importance of youth civic participation and democracy. Thank you for sharing, one and foremost. I'm glad that your son is alive and well and, and thriving in his uh, his early adulthood. But man, I mean, that, I can't even imagine. It, like, not only being, like, just being pregnant, but then being hit by a car. Like, that's that's crazy. It was crazy, right? I think so much of my early, you know, those, that, that, that early or late teens for me, right, was like what most teens are going through, right? Like figuring out college applications and thinking about what comes next. And for me, I had chosen to to have a child at a young age and definitely is a choice that I don't uh, regret in any way. But having it also then be um, so traumatic, right? Like it's one thing to during that uh, junior and senior year for me really be in discussions with my school administrators and leaders about whether a pregnant teen could continue to stay um, in her high school and, you know, continue to um, learn with her peers versus transferring to an alternative high school for pregnant teens because there was some belief or misperception maybe that my pregnancy was contagious or a distraction to the school community. And so kind of finding my voice and realizing that I could advocate to really be able to stay in that school and to stay with my peers was was a you know, serious and a big responsibility in and of itself. And then you combine that or kind of layer that with the traumatic birth of, of my son, DeAndre. And it just, it was, it was a very formative experience to say the least. <laughs> well, and going from advocating to yourself to now your current role as CEO at dosomething.org, what was the pathway? Or maybe it was just like automatic. You knew what you were going to do after that moment. I, w- I mean, if, if we'd be having a very different conversation if, if uh, it was automatic, right? Because then I'd say I had some crystal ball and I knew what the future would hold is the honest answer. Um, and that might make me a hot commodity in these times when we're all looking for certainty and stability. But the reality is it was the journey, right, that so many of us go on and and very different kind of twists and turns. For me, the path to becoming Do Something CEO was really about finding my own voice, right? I think grounded in that formative moment that I just talked about, but really thinking about what tools do I have in my toolbox, right? At the time as a young Black woman from the Bronx, right? the One of the poorest communities in our country. And my path could have gone one of two ways, right? It could have been another statistic in a, a footnote of some report about um, pregnant teens who, you know, kind of end up not making it or not being successful. But instead, for me, really thinking about setting myself on the course and continuing to be on the course that I intended to be on, right? So I finished high school, graduated with honors on time with my peers, I went off to college and, you know, I'll say, be honest, right? I initially came of age, if you will, during the start of the tech boom. And so I was convinced, like solidly convinced, maybe this is relevant to this, my do something journey that I would be study computer science and go down that field, right? Because that was the hot field at the time. And I, as a young mother, realized like I need a job out of college, right? Like, so what's the fastest way to a a career path? (laughs) It took one too many math classes. And I was like, this is definitely not it, right? And I had always had a passion 
or I should say I was always told, right, and encouraged by my parents that like my debating skills and my oratory persuasion, persuasive skills like would set me on the path to be a good lawyer. And I don't know if that was just like kind of a traditional Southern Black parent, pick a great professional career and pursue it approach, or if there was legitimacy to that. And so I did actually, after taking the, too many math classes and realizing that computer science wasn't the way for me, um, go back to my belief that I wanted to go to law school, right? And so really grounded that in what is, you know, how can I use the law to be able to impact society and to make sure that I am doing my part to make sure that others who might have similar experiences to me or otherwise feel impacted by government decisions can actually have, be able to participate and have access to civic engagement. And so I ended up going to law school uh, in New York and my first career, my first job out of law school actually was working in local city government, right? And I always talk about the importance of local government to the kind of day-to-day operations of our lives. Like, in this moment in Washington, D.C. and like, you know, was here for a reception in honor of the Inflation Reduction Act at the White House. And so it's exciting to be in D.C. and to think about the role that the presidency and the executive branch and the legislative branch have on our lives. But those branches of government at the federal level don't impact our lives the same way every day as like your local city council, your local mayor. And so it was just so great to cut my teeth in the space of civic engagement and democracy reform, if you will, in local government. And so when I had that initial job at the New York City Council, it was I was hooked. I was like, how do I just kind of like thinking, reflecting back like a young woman, young uh, mother from the Bronx get to impact local policy on who has access to democracy and how do we conduct elections and how do we, you know, create campaign finance and uh, systems that allow people who look like me and represent communities like I do to be able to run for office. And so my career went from there to working for Bill de Blasio when he was public advocate of New York City and really thinking about issues at a citywide scale. Um, I took, I like to say I took some time out of the workforce to have my second round of children. So I also have 10 and 11 year old daughters. And then after that, re-entered the workforce doing national democracy work at the Brennan Center for Justice at NYU. And so then got to kind of telescope out a little bit, if you will, and see um, the importance of, and the and the distinctions between states around how they conduct elections and how do they think about democracy, right? Because it is very much a kind of state by state approach to the work, which is, I guess, part of the problem. And then had the uh, opportunity to like think about like, yes, I'm doing all this work nationwide to eliminate structural barriers to participation and really thinking about how to make our democracy more accessible, inclusive and representative, right? So things like early voting and automatic voter registration and public financing of elections and all of that work felt exciting and energizing. And, you know, at the time there was a lot of momentum in favor of that work, right? Even work around like restoring the right to vote to those with past criminal convictions and and work like that around the country. And then I looked up and realized and kind of had this reflective moment with myself, which I often do and said like, that's great to be doing all of this work to make our democracy more accessible. But the reality is if we don't, we collectively, but also I think in particular, young people don't understand why it matters. We'll have done that work for naught, right? Because they still won't participate. And so there was like a big kind of aha light bulb moment where I felt like I needed to be closer and more proximate to community and really think about ways to get to the young people and right, understand and motivate them to, to claim that democracy, if you will. And so after I left the Brennan Center, I spent some time at an organization called Generation Citizen um, as their New York executive director, really focused on getting civics education back into schools, getting young people to understand that they have civic power and that they need to use it to affect change on issues they care about in their community and really get civics education back in the classroom in a meaningful way. All of which kind of, when I think back in hindsight, right, from that young woman who thought like, oh, I'll study computer science and like, <laughs> to then, you know, working around the country to improve our democracy and, and then getting civics ed back into schools 
kind of led me to do something. And I didn't kind of know it. Like we were on this parallel track. And I'm not saying that just because it sounds good for purposes of this um, conversation. But in hindsight, I was like, wait, we had been on a parallel track. I had often heard of and knew of the work of Do Something and kind of was adjacent to it. And then the opportunity presented itself uh, for me to come on board as their CEO. And I was like, it's this moment where all of the things I had done in my past actually were relevant, right? Like Do Something is part has been known to be part kind of tech company, really thinking about this youth activism hub where we kind of use our online platform to fuel young people to change the world. It's nonprofit for sure. And then we do work with young people to get them civically engaged. And so it was like this big aha moment that I've been fortunate to have to like come on board and think about how to bring all of the multifaceted experience and perspectives that I've, what's the word, accumulated, if you will, over the course of my career to one organization. And so it's been exciting to be at the helm over the last year and a half. It sounds like you and do something.org have now arrived. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited to talk about what you're doing there. So tell me a little bit more about the scope of, of the organization itself. Of course. I'm, I think that's why I'm here today. So I'm super excited about that. Um, you know, as I mentioned, do something is the national hub for youth centered activism. We really you know, I came on board a year and a half ago at a moment where this 29-year-old organization and the world writ large, right, let's just be honest, we're going through this intersectional reckoning, really thinking about like, how do we do the things we're doing better, differently, recalibrated for a new world that we're living in, right? So we spent the better part of the last year really reflecting, like what had do something done really well over the last 29 years or then 28 years? And then what could we be doing better to meet this moment? And where we landed, right, is like, do something was founded at its core with a goal of like making volunteerism as cool as sports, right? Like Andrew Shu and Michael Sanchez, the co-founders really had this bold vision at, you know, in the early nineties of like, let's stop wagging our finger and complaining. Let's actually get out there and do something. And so I've always said to them, the one thing I won't do is change the name of the organization. Cause it like, it speaks for itself, right? As the, the Latin phrase would say, res ipsa locator, right? Like the, it is what we say it is. We are helping young people do something. But what we weren't doing is like meeting the moment. So do something's biggest kind of tool in its toolbox, if you will. And part of the reason why I assume you have me on today is like what we can do is leverage intentional and strategic marketing strategies to get young people to do something, to take action, to get engaged in their communities. But what we hadn't done is really thought about like, yes, we light their civic sparks. We get them active in a way that like young Denora got active around her own kind of sense of self and needing to find ways to advocate for herself. But what we don't do is like fuel that longer term. And so we look up, right? And we're in 2021 and the world has changed, right? We're living in this intersectional moment where young people are clear they want equity and inclusive society. And they want to be heard, right? And they're pushing for systemic change. And so we've, you know, really excited about the the new bold mission that we're moving forward, which is fueling young people to change the world. Yes, we'll light that civic spark, we'll activate them, but we're going to go further than that. And we have to make sure that we're educating and equipping young people with the opportunities, the skills, and the tools to make positive and lasting, or I would say even systemic change in our society. Um, and so really we're focused on how do we go from getting young people not only to take actions individually, right? Like, you know, kind of, if you will, parallel play for the the parents out there who might be listening, really think about coming together in this moment of reckoning. And as we are thinking about how to create a more just and equitable society, how do we get young people to come together collectively to take action on the issues that are, that are most pressing and that matter most to them? 
we know that like young people have been bearing the burden of so many pressing changes in this, I mean, pressing societal issues in this moment, a global pandemic, economic uncertainty, which is like, you know, even as I'm standing at the White House, it was like ironic that like the new inflation report came out and was like, that's not good. And we're in a moment where like also the increased usage and prevalence of technology in our day-to-day lives is like at saturation point, right? So how do we get young people to harness some of the uncertainty that we're facing and some of the optimism and opportunity that exists and turn that into a more inclusive, equitable and transformative future? And so our goal really is to get young people to claim the movements that, you know, they're participating in and leading and to get them to really claim our democracy. I think Do Something has done such great work as it relates to registering young people to vote and getting them information about voting. What we haven't done as well, and this is one of the things that I'm really prioritizing in the months and years ahead, is like, how do you connect the dots between that moment of becoming a first-time voter and then staying civically engaged long-term, right? And like, how do you create this reverberating cycle of activity and engagement that helps young people claim our democracy and stay engaged? And so, you know, as I think about what motivates and excites me about the work of Do Something in this moment and why I'm honored and excited to be our CEO is like, I know that there's a, a really great opportunity to keep Do Something and the work that we are centering young people in at the vanguard of what is happening in our society and in the social change um, sector. And so really thinking about how to harness that towards this pivotal moment we're living in and get young people to feel a sense of community, but also the power that they know they have to be able to change the world in meaningful ways. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's a noble organization, just hearing you talk about it. When I think about young people today, like, how do I think about them? Like, do they care about the same things that the general population do? What are they thinking, I guess, at this point in time? First and foremost, like, they don't, they don't want us to think they're a monolith, right? So like, we can't, don't get me in trouble today out here generalizing about young people is the honest answer. What we can say to be true, and, and I say this with great respect for the work that young people are doing and optimism, is that notwithstanding the fact that young people are bearing the burden of some of the most pressing challenges facing our society today, whether it's everything from accessible and diverse mental health support, right? Like we are in a crisis. Like, let's be honest that all of us um, have lived through the most, what what we hope will be the most um, traumatic and disruptive time of our lives. And maybe we're getting to the other side. My hope is that we're getting to the other side, but young people are clear and they've, and they felt that burden even more so, right? Because for them, especially the, I think of my own Gen Z and alpha children, it's like for them, they don't have as many memories and kind of 
lasting formative experiences of the before times, if you will, right? And so for them, they the mental health challenges and disparities are even greater. So they care about access to diverse and accessible mental health supports. They care about a greener future and like what's happening to our planet because we've seen it at scale during this disrupted time. And they really care about an equitable society that centers them and their push for diversity and inclusion. You know, I think what's what's fascinating about this moment is like, we have really unearthed, uncovered, exposed the societal inequities that have been plaguing our society for so long. And what's powerful about this moment is that we are clear and young people are very clear that we can't just do nothing, right? So we've all kind of known in the background there were issues and we needed to do something and the inequities kind of were reaching this tipping point. But what we didn't have is like young people who were clear that, oh, wait, now's the time to actually do something, pun intended, right? And so we see young people marching and protesting and contacting their elected officials and really looking to companies and to government to do the right thing, right? And so I think what I'm excited about is that young people are willing to connect the dots, not willing, but even actually are connecting the dots, if you will, between their power as voters and as um, consumers and as contributors to our society with their ability to take a stand on systemic issues, right? And so they're clear. We've heard many of our members say over 88% of our members who are Gen Zers will say it's important for brands to take action around purpose and to be clear about their values, because if they don't, then young people will walk away with their dollars. And I think we're in this seminal moment where everybody has to take a look in the mirror and then say, what will I do differently tomorrow? No, that makes it makes a lot of sense. And so the real reason, I mean, I, I love the organization. I love what you're doing. But the real reason you're on is you're talking about marketing and the holy grail for marketers is to get people to take action, to take a behavior, to change their behavior. It's truly the holy grail. And so how do you get somebody to do something? <laughs> tell us, tell us the secrets. You know, I think that's the, I was like, should I tell you the secrets for real? No, just kidding. <laughs> I think the honest answer is that is, that's the special sauce of do something, right? Like, and when I came on board, I, listen, you heard me say, I'm a lawyer, right? I come to this work as someone who's dedicated her career to the systemic change, to the work of like creating this more equitable and inclusive society. But what I knew to be true as I was learning about the organization and finding ways to kind of lead it into the future, if you will, was like our work had to, has evolved over time and had to continue to evolve over time, right? And so right now we think about, marketers often think about and, and do something as even in this category of like, when you think about call to actions, like buy our product, right? Like I need you to take this thing. I need you to do this thing. And it's like, even for me as a consumer, I, I have a deeper understanding now having been to do something over the last 18 months of like, oh, I see what you're doing. You're asking me to do this thing. Thing, right. And I think what we know to be true and what our members have said to us, right? Like, like I haven't put a face on our members, but our members are young people ages 13 to 25 who live all around the United States and in 131 countries nationwide, right? They are clear that they know what's happening too, right? So like marketers who are looking to reach young people also have to evolve. They need to think about impact. They need to think about brand recognition and loyalty and affinity with the, the audience they're trying to attract and be clear that like, it can't just be like, buy my product for the sake of buying my product. And so let me like give you an example of like, you know, kind of take a layer deeper of this evolution that I'm talking about. So I mentioned to you earlier in an earlier question that New Something was founded in the early 90s by Andrew Shu and Michael Sanchez at a very different moment, actually, in our nation's history. And so like, just to age myself or date myself a little bit for your listeners, like I was a do something age young person, right? And their founding vision, like I said, was making volunteerism as cool as sports. I will put a big fat check mark next to the fact that we were able to accomplish that. Like we, the royal we, right? Because I wasn't here um, at the time that that was accomplished. 
We've done so much work to really encourage young people to get together and make positive change in their communities in ways big and small over the last 29 years. But what we know, like I said, you know, like we've been discussing throughout this conversation is the world has changed. So this idea of like nice volunteerism and like, just go clean up your park or like, that's not it, right? Young people are like, or they're saying yes and then what, right? And so we have to be clear that we need to evolve the work we're doing because of the world we live in now, right? Pervasive social media technology, 24-7 news cycle. Young people are even more accessible, they have at their, you know, their fingertips even more information than they, than I did as a young, um, a young do something age teen. And so the notion of just like raising their awareness, and this is like me in quotation marks, is no longer relevant, right? Like if a young person wants to know something, they just like, I won't say the name, but they like, look it up, right? Like that's what they do. And so that's, if you're actually thinking about how to market to young people, that notion of like, just buy my product because it's good. And I say it's good. is not going to resonate anymore. Young people are clear, one, that they want lasting and systemic change. They want to do more than just volunteer in their communities. And so even for do something, we have to get the mirror out and say like, wait, are we meeting the needs of new generations of young people coming of age? Like we can't just talk to Gen Xers and millennials, no offense to them. We need to be talking to Gen Z and Gen, you know, Gen Alpha coming of age behind them. And so we really started to look in the mirror and make that assessment and then think about Like, how do we create new pathways for young people to change the world? How do we create new pathways for young people to claim our democracy, right? Which is kind of at the underpinning of all of this. It's like, yes, we want young people to care about causes and we want them to take action on causes that matter to them. But what we also need them to do is understand how the systems work that affect their ability to take change, you know, make change in those issues. And so, you know, my call, my call to action to your listeners and to marketers out there is like, do the same thing. You can't just have call to action campaigns that are just about your product, right? You really have to think about how you connect the dots between that kind of environmental social good and getting young people who are the consumers we're all trying to attract, right? And all the the people we're trying to get engaged. How do you take, help them have affinity and connection to your brand in a way that sticks and that helps them believe that you too care about the issues they care about and that they want to see us all take action to address. That's awesome. How do you think about the, like the impact? What is some of maybe the example impacts that you've seen from the work that you're doing at do something.org? Oh, so it's been, it's been a, you know, a busy 18 months, right? So we spent a good chunk of our time heads down with the strategic planning process and really evolving the work as I've talked about, and then really thinking about how do we as we're evolving that work, how do we measure the impact of what's happening and is it resonating? And I think, you know, as I've said throughout the conversation, what inspires me most is how values-driven Gen Z is, right? It's not just taking action for the sake of taking action. It's like a young Janora often would go through this exercise and I guess even currently go through this exercise of like thinking about my own personal mission statement and like what motivates me to do the things that I do and why do I do them? And what I see happening, right? And kind of evolving, I should say my my efforts accordingly. What I see happening is Gen Z is very clear that they're going to do that every day, right? So they wake up thinking, Oh, that doesn't align with my values, not doing that, right? And so what we've heard our members say, 62% of our members um, who are Gen Zers have said that they'll boycott a brand that isn't aligned with their values, right? And so that's huge. When you think about what it means to think about impact and think about how do you build work that's sustainable and fueling change, it's like, we have to be clear that young people will also hold us accountable in real time. And so we've really been focused on evolving our work to make sure the young people are driving their, you know, engagement with do something in our activism hub towards impact, right? Whether that's advocacy where they can contact their elected officials, whether that's thinking about ways to engage with decision makers in their school community and, and, you know, advocate for better policies. We really are making sure that young people can have the tools, like I said, to be able to take 
make systemic change. And I think, you know, as we think about that intersection between young people and companies and how to make sure that there's impact there, we need to make sure that companies are clear about their values, not just in writing, but in their actions. And then that they're taking, they're really building up the way that they engage with young people, especially Gen Z and Gen Alpha to not just be about the marketing or the kind of buy my product approach, but really about sharing their values and showing how that connects to the brand purpose and how they're going to move the company forward. And so, you know, in the same way that we've done some of that work internally to analyze and evolve our work would definitely encourage my peers out there in the sector to do the same. Yeah. Well, I know you're doing some work with brands. How are you advising them and engaging them, if you will? Of course. And, and, you know, I think consistent even with our our new strategic direction, the focus is being honest, right? And saying like, here's what we're hearing from young people. Like, I think the power of Do Something is that we can get to young people at scale. We have 5 million young people that we've activated over the last 29 years. We've given out over almost $2 million in scholarships to young people. And so what we say, we tell, you know, brands, the same thing we're telling ourselves, which is you've got to be intentional. You've got to be honest. And social good actually has to be at the center of what you're doing, not just how do I get you to buy my product? So really, whether it's companies like General Motors or Foot Locker or bands, like just household names, right? We're saying to them, evolve the way that you're meeting young people to really respond to getting to systemic change. Really think about how you can help them take action and engage on the issues that are most pressing to them, whether that's climate change, equity, inclusion, mental health access, economic autonomy, right? Like we're living in a moment where our economic future is like the first time in generations is uncertain that the next generation will be more wealthy than the one that preceded it, right? And we'll have more opportunities for economic mobility. We need to really have a hard conversation about what the choices we're all making and are they leading to a more sustainable society, not just in the kind of climate change approach, but writ large. And so I think, you know, having that that honest and frank conversation and just noting that like it can't just be the marketing team is off on one side of the business doing its work separate and apart from the social impact and the ESG work. It all has to be integrated and intentional because young people are watching and they're clear that they'll hold leaders accountable. And so we really do ask and advise our, our partners in this in the space to be intentional and be clear and, and be consistent. Well, in, we're in this moment in marketing where there's obviously a lot of people talking about purpose and how purpose can impact your brand. There's also notable academics and folks out there that say it's don't focus on purpose, you know, just continue to reach as many people as you can with your brand message and remind them that you're exist. If you think about that, like why in your thoughts and and working with a population that you work with, like why should brands care? Why would we, why would we go down the social impact? I mean, I, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but the honest reality is we, we should care because young people care. Right. And the fact that a majority of young people said they'll boycott a brand if they don't think it's values aligned to me is reason enough, right? Getting 60% of young people to agree on anything is like, is worth making a reason to care is my honest answer, right? Society to agree on something. Right, exactly, (laughs) right? I mean, 88% of young people say it's important for brands to take action. And then you get a subset of that. 60% are like, well, and then let me just tell you, if you don't do something about it, pun intended, I will, I won't support your brand going forward. And so I do think we need to be clear that centering young people in their marketing efforts is good for business, right? It's not lip service. It's not, you know, it is, it is core to the work of the business. And so we really do need to, and I encourage all of the brand leads out there to focus on like, what does it mean to have meaningful social impact programs and partnerships? How do you get, how do you engage with Gen Z who's right is solidly entering the workforce, right? And so they're sitting at the table and they're like, by the way, splashy ads are not, the solution, right? Like you actually need to demonstrate 
um, that you really value your employees, that you value young people, and that you value a values-based approach to the work. I think what also needs to be embedded in all of this, and it's it's a it's a harder thing to talk about, honestly. Just give, it's funny we like live in a democracy, but then when you say the word democracy, people get very like, oh my god, what's happening? Why why are we talking about democracy? It's like we also need to think about civic engagement and how that fits into the workplace, right? Like young people, especially. Um, Gen Z who's entering the workforce are clear that they also don't think about this as like siloed, right? So there isn't the like the home version of yourself and the work version of yourself. There's your whole self. And when you think about showing up to work, you also want to know that you work for an employer who will support your ability to be civically engaged and in whatever way that means, you know, whatever way that takes shape for the employee. And so just making sure that that's also a part of the the strategy. Yeah, I think that all makes sense. And I mean, I don't know if there's anything that we can learn from what you're doing, but like, I mean, we live in this hyper polarized time uh, in society and somehow you're navigating that and getting people to act as a collective <laughs> in many ways. Is there anything that we can think of that would help us tackle this. I mean, there. I like to believe, I, I don't know if this is true, but I like to believe that the polarization is happening on the fringes and that really we're all, most of us every day are somewhere in the messy middle, but the messy middle is lacking a voice, I think right now. So I don't know if anything comes to mind, but I thought I'd ask the question. I mean, I think that's the the root cause of the challenge, right? Like we live in a society that's, as you, you noted, is incredibly polarized and it isn't about we've kind of lost our way in really thinking about how to build consensus. I, I look back at the early days of the pandemic where we were, there was this moment where we all were in it together, right? And there was this like collective moment for society to realize like what brings us together is more aligned than what separates us and makes us distinct as individuals. And I think we have to find our way back to that, right? And I think part of the way to get back to that is listening to young people and really centering them in the and what we're doing. Like we see young people bridging that divide in meaningful ways and really finding opportunities to build consensus as it relates to, you know, smarter solutions, whether it's everything from gun safety to climate justice, mental health support, et cetera. And so I think there's a, obviously it's on brand for me to say this, but I genuinely believe it. Otherwise I wouldn't be dedicating my life's work to it, which is like centering young people more in the dialogue also will find us a way to get there. Right. And I think we need to find ways to elevate those voices in our societal discussions and really get away from what's keeping us apart and, and making us more polarized. I think, honestly, creating more of those opportunities to center those who haven't, you know, who bring a fresh perspective, who aren't themselves polarized as a, a group of young people will allow us to, to think about some of the better solutions that might lie ahead. Well, and I like to believe, I don't know if this is true, but as well, that if we can get away from the surface issues and start talking about values and how we want to treat each other, that would go a long way to making sure we can work together. You know. Well, anyway, it's been fascinating to learn about the business, how you're getting people to take action. Um, again, that's the holy grail of marketing, in my opinion. But we also like to get to know you a little bit better. We know, we know already a good bit about you from the opening. But my favorite question to ask everyone that comes on the show is, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? I mean, I think I would, not to, to sound like a broken record, I think it was that formative experience of being a teen mother and, and finding my civic voice, right? Like at the time I didn't know that I just, I knew that I was, I had made a choice, right. And that I needed to persevere on my path towards, you know, what would lie ahead for me at a minimum, right. Graduating high school. Right. And so kind of putting those individual and smaller benchmarks and milestones in front of me. But to me, I really think that that was the formative experience and, and helps kind of define who I am today. Where do you think, I mean, to push through and to 
continue to go get your education to fight, advocate for yourself and, you know, to finish school and then go do that. Where did that come from? Like, that's not ingrained in everyone, I don't think. I mean, I think there's this, I think it comes from upbringing, right? And like your your tribe and who you're surrounded by and that kind of village of people who will help anchor you and support you, right? And so for me, that first and foremost, I, I always have to lift up my mother, who I actually had a chance to talk to this morning. I always get the the good good energy for my mom first thing in the morning. So we had this whole conversation about football and what's going on and all that. And she, you know, really was one of those people who grew up at a different time, right? Grew up in, born in Alabama, um, raised between the South and, you know, and, and up North in New York. And was always clear that like, there couldn't be excuses, right? There couldn't be why you can't accomplish something. It was really about putting your head down, being clear about what you wanted to accomplish and then seeding a path towards that. And so it's interesting for me, right, to be, again, at this, the helm of do something because so much of my life was like, of course you can do that. Denora, yeah, you can do that. Like, don't make excuses. Don't get in your own way. And like, she didn't necessarily say do something, but she kind of intimated that, right? And like solidified that in me. And I think it really was this notion of like, yes, it won't be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. But if you are clear about what you're trying to accomplish, there are ways to get there. And so that's the way that I've kind of anchored my life. And I think having my now, as you called him earlier, and I jokingly say to him all the time, my like adulting son, you know, who's in his mid twenties and then two younger daughters that just anchors for me, like having this village of people and support that I can always look to and say, oh, I can do this, right? I've got this. Like, and we're all doing some version of the thing, right? I think to the point I made earlier, what I loved, and I don't like, don't misquote me here, but what I loved about the pandemic was that it did give us this moment to like sit still and stop and say like, why are we doing the things we're doing? Like get that COVID clarity as I call it. And I think what's fascinating about this moment is we, I think I'm just going to declare that we're post COVID, right? The fact that we don't have to wear masks anymore and like get vaccinated if you want, but you should. And like all of the things means the outside is open, right? And it's time to get back to it. And I think what's so hard about this moment is that we all just want to go back and do it without intentionality. I'm like, wait, but didn't we all get our COVID clarity or like, weren't we supposed to? So if you did get that clarity, like don't go rushing back to what didn't work in the past, right? And definitely won't work right now. Think about how to do the things we're doing with more intentionality and purpose. And so that's what I love about the work that I do at Do Something is like, it isn't just about Yes, do something's powerful and it's amazing. We've had such great impact over the last 29 years, but we're in a moment where we have to look forward, right? We have to think about, did that, will that work for new generations of young people? And if the answer is no, then we shouldn't be doing it. What advice would you give your younger self if you're starting this journey all over again? I mean, I love younger Denora. She was so scrappy. She was just like, you know, such a gem. And if you want to see what younger Denora looked like, there's a picture of me on dosomething.org's website of me, like young me. So that's, just a little tidbit. I think the honest answer is like, know that like, trust yourself, right? I think there's, when you're living in it, you often think like, oh, I won't be able to do that. There's no way I can accomplish that. And, and I think trusting that you can do something, if you will, and that you will be able to make it through will be the guiding light. Like I think we often, because we can't see the light at the tunnel, don't think there is one, right? So I would just encourage young Denora to just believe in herself as the honest answer. Well, is there a topic you think marketers need to learn more about right now, or maybe something, you know, you're trying to learn more about yourself. I mean, uh, this is, this has been the theme of this interview. So, you know, I'll just stay on message. It's like the good news is stay on message and then you won't lose is we've got to evolve, right? Like we've got to meet this moment. We've got to think about how to evolve the work we're doing to meet new generations of young people coming of age. And that's what I'm learning about. Like I spend all of my time thinking about young people, what motivates them, how to keep them engaged and inspired, how to make do something relevant to them, right? Like, cause do something was built for me and for millennials and respectfully, like 
we're older people now, right? And so how do we get young people who are coming of age in this moment to see the power that they have, claim that power and use it to fuel change? So I do think, you know, what I think marketers need to be learning more about is that Gen Z demographic and more, and even no offense to Gen Z, even more importantly, Gen Alpha, like Gen Alpha is going to be of age to be on social media platforms legally, right? So they, I'm sure they're all, they're 12 years out. They're already there. <laughs> right, exactly. But they can like legally be on, you know, in those platforms soon. And, and they are, a very different generation, right? So if we think about the perspective of Gen Z, right? The oldest Gen Zer is early 20s, right? And the youngest is like late, like mid to late teens. Their perspective of the last two and a half years is going to be very different than Gen Alpha, which is coming of age now. And so I recently uh, listened to a good book about kind of generational generational turnings and how that where you were when major societal change happened reflects how you will behave at future points of societal change. And I think what's going to be fascinating is like learning what Gen Alpha, what motivates them, what do they want, right? What are they going to be demanding? And so really thinking about a couple of key takeaways is what I would say. One, let's talk about outcomes instead of outputs, right? Like let's stop talking about kind of vanity metrics and like how many people clicked the button and said they were going to do a thing versus who actually did it. And how do you make uh, your campaigns and programming more meaningful and, and, and making sure that you can get to that change metric that young people are seeking? Make it. So that's my first point. Point two is like, and I don't say this lightly because do something is, has done this ourselves. It's like, it's not about the one hit wonders. It's not about campaigns that are like, I did this thing and there we go. Big ta-da. It's actually about that sustainable and measurable programming and thinking about how we, I think there is a trend in the market where we see some of this, but how do you level that up and make sure that young people really understand the change that they can see a brand making? And, and, be honest, right? Like we're not perfect. So it's not like today you were a company that had major issues and tomorrow you're perfect. Like let's talk about that evolutionary journey and how the work you're doing is driving towards that. And then I think the third point I would say is like, and this has been kind of my umbrella point is like, it has to evolve. It has to be future focused. If we're actually going to fuel this new generation of young people who are coming of age amidst all of this uncertainty and, and opportunity, how do we give them the tools they need to change the world and create a more inclusive and, and representative society. On a personal level, are there any brands, companies, or causes that you follow or you should take notice, others should take notice of? I mean, well, obviously I'm going to talk about do something. So take notice of us. Like we're evolving. We've got a new mission, vision, and direction. Like don't miss the opportunity, right? You gave it to me. You know, I'll use another, like that was my basketball metaphor of like, oh, that's a layup. You're giving me the layup. I'll take that. <laughs> Um, you know, we are in a phase of evolution and, and have really done hard work to not only just think about civic engagement as this kind of one-off activity that is really grounded in voter registration and getting young people out to vote, but it's really about this evergreen cycle of keeping young people as civic leaders and helping them become civic leaders. And so all of our work has to be driving towards that. So I would call out, do something. To learn more about us, you can go to our website, do something.org. And then, you know, I think other brands I'm watching and paying attention to Patagonia, Foot Locker, Under Armour, Live Nation. Like these are brands that are have done some great work in the past and they're they're really clear about connecting the dots between their brand and, you know, like for example, Patagonia's voting campaign centered around voting for better climate protections while also thinking about these kind of climate actions and not just pushing a product. I mean, if I think outside the box and maybe back to my basketball metaphor, like look at the NBA, right? Like they're talking, they're putting their money where their mouth is and they're saying like, also, by the way, we're, we, we're not kidding when we say that we care about civic engagement. Nobody's playing basketball on election day. Like that to me is like, show proof to people that you value, you know, what's at stake. I would hope that to, you know, there's no person out there who'd be like, I couldn't go vote today because that basketball game was on. I, listen, I've been a diehard fan, but like if that was a blocker, I appreciate the NBA for like making that blocker go away, right? 
So I think, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of other brands that I could have named, but what I would say to all of your listeners is like, we all have to do our part, right? And really think about, especially during this midterm election season, which we always see, you know, kind of lower participation and engagement and thinking about like what's at stake. And it isn't just about the voting itself, but how that leads into like our sense of society, our sense of democracy and how that will help us move forward going forward. Right? I think, you know, democracy and capitalism are very intertwined and, and the success of one is very relevant to the success of the other. And we don't always connect those dots. And so for brands, I would just say it's important to also be thinking about that. And, and especially as Gen Z is entering the workforce, what role they're going to play in helping, you know, evolve the culture of companies and think about how civic engagement plays a role in it. Last question for you. And we may have already talked about it, but we'll see. What's the largest opportunity or threat you think facing marketers today? Do you, I mean, I feel like I'm, I got to stay on brand for this whole conversation. It's like, you know what I'm going to say. Young people, um, I think that's the biggest opportunity and the biggest threat, right? It's like brands do it right, then they've got new consumers on their side. They've got new partners on their side who are not only just going to buy their product, right? Back to my, you know, my example, but are actually going to be champions and ambassadors for the work and say like this brand, right, is doing great work. Look at them. The flip side is when they don't trust a brand and they don't think there's a reason to be loyal and don't think the brands are responsive to to the needs and interests and you know, kind of call to action of young people, they're going to walk away from brands. And so I do think that we're in this very fragile yet opportunistic moment where, you know, as we, if we all focus on how do we evolve to meet this moment and really think about our COVID clarity, if you will, like what are we going to do differently? There's so much opportunity for brands to, to win and, and be successful. And so my encouragement to them is like what I've said throughout this conversation is like center young people and, and listen to what they're saying and how incorporate their suggestions and feedback into how you're evolving your brand's work. Well, Denora, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I have this like burning desire. I got to get up and do something. So (laughs) then I've done my job today, right? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to marketing today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There, you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today.